This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. You guys, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast, season six. The fact that I am even saying that right now is enough for me to give each and every one of you a big grateful hug. And I am not a hugger, so you know how big of a deal that is. If you're new around here, welcome. My name is Alex Fitton, and I have the privilege of hosting this show every single week and bringing you stories and wisdom from all kinds of people in the adoption world. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast and on Instagram at the Adoptive Mom. I am so thankful to you guys for listening and supporting, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing this season. So I talked to you guys about Patreon last week in the season six trailer, and I won't babble about it again today, but if you're interested in hearing more about getting extra bonus content from me every week, go listen to the episode right before this one. But to make sure you're in the know about all things AMP, head to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash community and get plugged in. For today, I have an amazing new friend to introduce you guys to, or maybe you already know her because she's kind of a big deal blogger and influencer. And of course, I am talking about Keikalani Jackson. Keikalani is a mom of 6,000, I mean six kids, and a wife to her husband of 14 years. She survives on caffeine, laughing with her friends, cooking in the kitchen, hiding in the pantry eating chocolate, and helping other women know that they are not alone in the chaos of motherhood. Half of her minions are biological and the other half adopted from foster care. They go to public school because Jesus told her never to homeschool and spend as much time as possible being active and getting out all of the energy. Her mission is to encourage women to realize that there are so many good things in their life. They may be small or hard to see some days during this journey to survive motherhood, but they are there. Hence the name of her blog, All My Good Things. So all of that sounds so amazing. So you guys, let's go get to know her, shall we? All right, everyone, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast and a big welcome to my guest, Keiki Lani Jackson. Hi, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here, too, with you because I've been following you online for a while, and um, I love getting to know new people alongside my listeners. It's one of my favorite things, which is what we're going to do here. So can you just take a second and introduce us to yourself and your family? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And thanks for following me online. Yeah. <laughs> I love making friends online. It's just, um, you know, as a mom, you got to get stuck at home and you like, how can I make friends? This is such a <laughs> neat way to make friends and not have to leave the house when you have little ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, then you have like 23,000 friends. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a few. Um, but anyway, so my name is Kiki Lonnie, like she said. And if you're like, what kind of name is that? It's a Hawaiian name. I was born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, but I am not Hawaiian. So I just got the Hawaiian name. It means child of heaven. Um, and I moved to California, met my husband. And long story short, we had three boys. And then we were like, let's adopt a girl. And that's how our adoption story started. And 
a little bit about two years later, our adoption finalized and we adopted three more kids. So I always joke around online that I have 6,000 children because I wash about 6,000 cups a day. So I assume there must be that many children in my house. Right. It's the next logical conclusion. (laughs) Right. So we live in Houston, Texas, and um, I stay at home full time uh, working from home. I am a business coach. I am a full time blogger. And um, I also help bloggers learn how to do, um, turn their own business, their blog into a business is basically what I do. So I love what I get to do and I love helping other women find their dreams. I love inspiring other moms. Um, I keep my blog very, um, I call it realistic. So not curated. Um, (laughs) So I am not a fashion blogger or a home blogger. I'm just a mom who loves to cook and keep it real. So um, you kind of come to my blog and my social media and I'll be a little bit more sarcastic with you sharing a little bit more realistic. You could you could relate to me. I will. That's what I would like you to do. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my jam though. Like just the realistic stuff. And I think I get so, even though like, you know, influencers or whatever, their Instagrams are pretty to look at, but I'm also like, that's a whole other level than what I'm on. And so I love that you're keeping it real. And we'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes, but it's all good things, right? That's your blog. All all my good things. All All my my good things. Yes, because no one can spell Kiki Lonnie, so I, that's not my blog. <laughs> it would be like, it's KikiLonnieJackson.com. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, uh, well, I'll never find you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now that I've said that, I'm worried because I think didn't somebody get somebody, some TV show got sued not too long ago because they set a website that wasn't real. And I guess you can't do that. So just so everyone knows, really? Kiki Lonnie Jackson is not real. <laughs> No. Well, it's a real person, just not a right, real right. website. Not .com. Um, yeah. Um, Allmygoodthings.com is my blog, and I've been doing it for about eight years, so uh, a little while now. Awesome. I did the blogging thing before the podcast thing, and so um, mm-hmm. I never quite... I I don't I never quite got it. Like I wanted to turn it into a business, but I just couldn't get there. And then adoption happened, and adoption is really really yeah. hard. And instead of talking about it, it's not that I was trying to hide it, but I was like, I don't even have the capacity to like form words about what's going on. And so oh I yeah, didn't. And anyway, now I podcast. Yeah, you can see huge gaps in my blogging career. Um, I, I don't want to give that misconception that I've been like blogging full time. No, I just started blogging full time about two years ago. Maybe three is when I really monetized it. So I would say, you know, I started my blog and you can kind of see like the big gaps. And I shared a little bit about our adoption journey. And that's when I realized, you know, uh, I didn't have anybody that I knew or any resources for blog for like, um, when I started my adoption journey, I didn't know anybody personally that had adopted and been foster care. Um, besides I met one mom and she shared her story with me and I just would go online and I was like, how do I even navigate this? So that's how I started writing some more, more and more adoption posts and sharing a little bit at a time. Most of it came after our adoption finalized though, because yeah. uh, we went from three kids to five kids to six kids within two years girl mm-hmm. and the oldest was six so <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> it was a little intense there <laughs> a little bit we went from zero to four in a year in a year and a half and so yeah that was a lot um 
Uh-huh. I think uh-huh. even more was a lot that they're all like the same age. So that was again, yeah, yeah. I have I right now they're three, four, and four. Yeah. I have to think about it. Uh yeah, as I, I record know. this, I'm pre Grady's birthday. And so when he turns five, we'll start the like three months of the year where they're all different ages. And then they start yeah. leapfrogging again. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But that's a great segue. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way <laughs> because I have all of mine are two years apart. And once the and they're all their birthdays are May through August. Once the first one changes in age, I change everybody's age. I don't care if your birthday's in August or in May. You just changed your age because there's no way I can remember. So right now they're 11, 9, 7, 7, 5, and 5. And so it's easy to remember because it's every you know other number. Right. But... So when the next one, I can't do 12, 9, 7. I'll have to think about it. I want it to be like easy next year when it's like 12, 10, 8, 8, 6, and 6, you know? <laughs> it's like a phone number, but you can't make it complicated. I have to keep it easy on myself. <laughs> Good grief. It's Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I have to think about it because I'm like, I'm thrown off right now. Um, so do you have real twins or accidental twins? So I have one set of real twins. They're identical twins. They're the five-year-old girls. And then um, we have four boys. So our um, youngest bio and our adopted son are six weeks apart. And we call them the involuntary twins. Okay. (laughs) So uh, because they do not want to be twins. We have identical twins, involuntary twins is what I call them. Because they love each other. They're good brothers. They're good with each other being in the family. But do not call them twins. That's Uh, so funny. Very important to them. I call mine twins all the time, but I also call them frenemies. So they, I I think (laughs) that they're the opposite. They like being friends. They like being twins, but at the same time, they're like, they're just hot and cold, hot and cold. I'm so tired of fighting. I think it makes it such a a stark contrast because the girls are identical twins Mm -hmm. and they look alike. They're the same size. They have the kind of the same personalities. Um, There's not like a dominant twin there which is kind of unusual. I know most people are like, who's the dominant one? I'm like, mm, they switch places all the time. Sometimes this one has this personality. Sometimes this one does. They just you know, <laughs> know what they're going to get. Um, and they're forced to be reckoned with in the first place. So uh, yeah, they don't, I think that's because there is an identical set of twins. They're like, no, we're, that's not us. That's not so. us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, well, this makes a great segue into the next question I was going to ask you, which is just to share your whole adoption journey, um, you know, how you got started to now. Okay, so um, I have always wanted to adopt. I joked with my husband when we first started dating. I was like, so are you good with having six kids? And he was like, uh, we're having two. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's adorable. Because, you know, you know, yeah, it was sweet. And you can tell who uh, who gets the wins in this family. <laughs> um, but I was always very, I loved kids. Um, I always had like just this thing in my heart that was like, you know what, someday we're going to do this. Um, and we had three boys biological, but I am, my body tries to kill my, kill me and the baby when I get pregnant. So after the third one, we're like, let's not do that again. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And my husband's like, you know, if we get pregnant again, one, it's going to be another boy because the testosterone is strong in the Jackson family. So, um, and we're like, well, we really we had been kind of unofficially fostering some teen boys that were in and out of the system and kind of like being big brother, big sister to them. They would come over on the weekend. We would take him to practice football practice, uh, make sure he had 
new clothes for school, things like that, just kind of unofficially. Yeah. There wasn't enough going on for him to go into his care, but it was, you know, a little bit shady. And so he just needed a lot of extra love. And so we kind of had teenage boys all the time in our house. And I was like, look, hun, we need some girls. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time we had like no money. We had three young kids, you know, they were ages, uh, five, three and one. And there was just like, uh, in my head, I just thought, Oh, adoption is unrealistic. Cause I see a friend of mine was adopting from overseas and raising like $30,000 or more. I have no idea how much it even costs. And then another uh, friend of ours was, um, they had fertility problems. They decided to adopt, um, through a, like a private adoption and adopt an infant. And they were, it was a lot of money. And I was just, to me, that's the only thing I could see was all these other people I knew and I only knew two of them personally and they were distant friends uh, that they were raising all this money to adopt and I was like there is no way we could do that and I was at a little practice for gym my boys were going to like a gym tumbling class at the time and a mom was sitting next to me and she's like I have to get on a phone call with my adoption worker in a little bit I'm like your adoption worker and I had no idea that she had adopted her two nieces and she she taught, started talking to me about that. And I was like, yeah, we would love to adopt. It's just so expensive. And she goes, uh, honey, no, it's not. It's like, uh, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> and she had, she had gone through foster care. So her nieces had gone into foster care and she ended up adopting them through foster care. And she proceeded to tell me that her adoption worker has been like hounding her, telling her to tell other people her story so that she could get more people you know, more families to adopt because they were in so much need. We uh, were in Detroit at the time and the amount of kids in foster care in Detroit is staggering. Yeah. Uh, going in and out of the system. And they especially needed places for that would take uh, multiple kids that, you know, keep families together because they were having to split them up. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, okay. So I texted my husband. We talked for a little bit and he's like, let's do it. I still remember that text where he's like, let's just, you tell me what to do. Let's do it. So we went to a orientation and I, I recommend this to everybody who's like, Oh, I, I want to be a foster parent or I want to adopt from foster care. I'm like, go to an orientation that will either shut you down or give you an idea of what really is going to happen. Um, right. I think it's a really good thing to go and just listen to all the things that they're going to require. Um, listen to about like the kids that come into care Cause it was, you know, I thought we would have a realistic idea and I think we came into it with our eyes open, but I was not prepared for a lot of it. I mean, I, you hear the story, you either hear the horror stories or the perfect stories. There's, and that's usually, those are extremes. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. it usually doesn't happen like that at all. Um, so we started our journey in January and, um, the adoption workers were like, the licensing people were like, we can do this in 30 days. We can get you licensed. And I was like, hold there, sister. I need some time. <laughs> so like, <laughs> that would be a lot of work. But it, it, we actually did it in four months, which is still pretty fast, in my opinion. Uh, the end of April, we were called and said, hey, you're licensed and you're open um, to foster. And we originally were like, well, let's just, we only want to take kids who are, you know, kids are their parents are already rights are terminated. I don't want to, I don't know if I could handle opening my heart. And, um, we had this one worker. She just was like, I know you want to do that, but I'm going to tell you, I really think you guys can handle it. And she just would push and push and push. And I was like, okay, well you call me, but I'm going to say no. 
Um, and her first phone call to me was for twins. It was a twin, um, twin boys and their sister. The boys were eight months old and their sister was three. The boys had 13 bones broken between the two of them. And, um, I just called my husband after getting that phone call. I was like, I don't think we can handle that kind of trauma right now. We had three young kids getting three little kids and those two boys with so much trauma. I just didn't feel like that was, I couldn't physically take care of them because that was a lot of work. Um, and they were very scared of men, obviously <laughs> like yeah. they would recoil anytime a man came by them. So we were just like, this is not a good fit. This is not a home for healing. I had three active boys. So we said, no, the next phone call was for twin two year olds, a boy and a girl set. But my son was about to turn two, my youngest. I was like, I can't have three, two year olds. <laughs> so I said no to that one. We got another phone call for twins. This is our third phone call. That's all we've been getting is phone calls for twins. Oh my gosh. There are twin girls who are turning four. And before we could even say yes, while we were on the phone, someone else said yes. So that was our answer for that. So when our fourth phone call, excuse me, fourth phone call came and it was twin infant girls in the NICU. They were three weeks old. We didn't even hesitate. We're like, this is a sign for us to say yes. Yes, God really wanted you to have twins. Uh, apparently, apparently we needed twins. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we we went. They were like, um, "Can you come by the hospital and meet them today?" We're like, "Okay." So we went by. We met the twins. They were so tiny. They were um, both under, just under five pounds, and um, had been in the NICU for three weeks. Um, we picked them up the next day, and chaos began. I just like. Twin infants are no joke. Um, we knew going into this uh, case that mom had uh, was it was still a you know foster, it was a foster case. It was pure right. like the intention is to go back to mom. Um, dad went to jail within a week of us getting the girls, and when we found out they had an older brother who was placed with biological family, um, and you know, we would meet him eventually. So we spent the year going to visits, which if you are a foster parent, you know, that a roller coaster of like, you want to help and you want to encourage those, these parents um, to do right. But it's so hard to hand over babies that you have been up all night with and mm -hmm. struggling and like sacrificing everything and then like offhand comments or things like that. So that was really hard. It was the hardest year of my life because I was struggling internally to like not know the future, not know what was going to happen. Right. Uh, want this mom to succeed, but at the same time want the best for these babies. And I loved them so much. So it was just really turmoil. But um, about six months, seven, eight, about eight months into it, we were like, this is going a different direction. And by the time a year hit, mom and dad signed off their rights. Um, we had our adoption. So our case changed to adoption. And uh, when they came to our house and they're like, oh, would you be interested in adopting all three and keeping them together? We're like, absolutely. We didn't even hesitate. Um, you know, I'd observed Justin, their brother for the last year. So I kind of knew what we were getting into. Um, and so we said yes. And within 10 days, he was in our house. I mean, it was overnight. And so that's where I say my parenting level went from like, you know, around a 10 to level 100. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was just like intense. This, you know, taking in a three-year-old. So he was about, he just, he turned three a week after he moved in with us. And so I had, um, two one-year-olds, two three-year-olds, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And it was (laughs) very much intense. Um, I don't remember a lot of that year. I just remember being very tired and a lot of blur. Yeah. And so, not, not blogging, obviously like that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, basically not. And, and like Justin was, um, very much delayed. He couldn't talk. He couldn't use a spoon or a fork. He couldn't even take a bite out of something. Um, like he, we had to, he had to, we had to tear it up because he didn't know how to bite into uh, something like a sandwich, something, even something soft. Like wow. his motor skills were so delayed. Um, he couldn't give a thumbs up. He would just stare at his hand. Like, cause my d- husband did that all the time with our little boys is like, thumbs up, everybody good. And he would, he would look at his thumb and just not know what to do. And it was heartbreaking because like something as simple as that. And, and I honestly, I look back and, um, I've talked to the ad litem, um, who was just amazing. She was a former foster kid herself. And without her, I just would not have been able to survive, um, the whole case, but she told me she had suspected a lot of neglect and abuse from the biological family. And, um, I don't, we'll never know because he can't talk. He couldn't talk at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that was such a long time ago now, but the effects are long-term and, um, it's something we're still doing, dealing with. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I still crack up because I had a social worker one time tell me, that there are no long-term effects from drug exposure. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) That was an involuntary reaction from myself. I'm very sorry. I also have a drug baby. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So uh, we just were like, okay, so trauma in the womb and drug exposure for all three of our kids and um, the twins have been recently diagnosed with sensory seeking disorder. And that is where um, they, it's not the kind where they run away from senses. Right. They run to them and mm. they create sensory situations. So uh, that is something we're really trying to deal with. And because it's such an unusual diagnosis, it's usually associated with autism mm-hmm. and they're not autistic. So, we have had a really rough time um, getting yeah. the help that we need with that situation. So I think the thing is that I would tell foster parents or newbie parents going into foster care or adopting from foster care is it's going to be up to you to work for these kids and advocate for them, mm-hmm. whether that's um, calling after a visit and saying how a child reacts, because that's important. Yeah. Um, the babies, when they would come home after a visit, their reaction was traumatizing as infants. And I yeah. just, it was heartbreaking. So, you know, I had, we had seven social workers within uh, 12 months. <laughs> it's such a big changeover. And each one of them took it differently and took some of it seriously and some of it not. But it was, it doesn't matter. It was my job to report the facts. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's kind of our story and we are now, uh, we've embraced the chaos is what we say all the time. <laughs> um, and just, we 
that's we're just a chaotic family and we love it we're a lot we're very boisterous and everybody notices when we walk by and we get a lot of looks I get a lot of comments (laughs) (laughs) I recently just had somebody ask if we had cable tv I'm like uh huh (laughs) yeah thanks yes we know how children are born (laughs) we're not bored (laughs) oh my gosh that's hilarious um yeah Yeah, the sensory seeking thing, it's, you know, it also creates a lot of really awkward conversations with strangers because those kids, I mean, we have one too. They're super touchy feely. They don't have boundaries. And I've had a guy, like a door to door salesman, came to our door the other day and my son ran out and hugged and kissed him. And I was like, Uh I'm sorry about that. Anyway, what are you trying to sell me? (laughs) Right. And, And the thing is, too, is their energy and level of crazy is what I call. Um, it, it makes everybody else kind of go with it. And so we, you know, I've had people say to me some like just ridiculous things like, you know, in, in side eyes and things like that. I wrote a blog post actually, uh, one time after getting so irritated because I was literally pushing my cart through target. We were getting, the boys were like, please can we get pop tarts? They were on sale, like for a really great deal. And I was trying to put Pop-Tarts in my cart and like the twins were climbing out and they, they were, I call them like the world's greatest problem solvers because they could get out of any buckle, any latch from like (laughs) very small. And this lady walks by and she's like, Pop-Tarts are so, like, she just made this comment. She was an older woman and I could, I was just like, yes, thank you. Thank you. As I'm catching kids falling out of the cart and wrangling three-year-olds and I'm just like, Yes, that that changed my life. Thank you for stopping me in the middle of the grocery store to tell me this because now I, wow, I just was so mad. I was like, he just, I was like, thank you so much. And I think I was like, so I wrote a whole post that's like, dear seasoned moms, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, because honestly, you know, I'm, my goal now is like, I, I don't have older kids yet, but I do, my oldest is 11 now, but I'm like, if I can, when I'm in a grocery store, catch the kid called falling out of the cart, high five, another mom, give her a look of like, I get you. I feel you. That's what we should have been. To, oh, that's what I needed when I had all those little ones. I mean, come on. Right. And <laughs> so, so that's kind of, yeah, my, uh, you know, when you have six kids, it just, it's just chaos anyways, but oh, yeah. well, that's I don't all. need your extra comp. <laughs> that's right up there with people that, you know, as in the grocery store, you have your hands full and people are like, Oh, you've, you've really got your hands full. You're like, yeah. yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, I always, um, I joke and say, Oh my gosh, are there only six kids right here? Where are the other two? <laughs> And uh, my kids will start laughing and we just, we just kind of joke about it or, you know, my husband and I will always say, he's like, yeah, we're just really bored. And uh, so have a lot of extra money laying around and (laughs) yeah, yeah, seriously. No, I love that. Oh my gosh. You got to keep humor because it just, what else are you going to do? So we, yeah, that's what we do. We just keep it kind of humorous. (laughs) So I'm really interested to talk to you about, you know, like we, we talked earlier and I mentioned it a mm-hmm. second ago, just those times when you retreat, because you seem, you're very similar to me. It seems like you're a sharer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like to talk. Yeah. I am very transparent. I want people to have the right eyes for our family. And I, 
I, you know, of course you keep some things about your kid's story private. Sure. But sure, like absolutely. most of the time I'm like, I have no problem telling people that he was exposed to drugs in utero because that's going to explain his behavior and that will give them better yeah. eyes for him. And, and I don't, anyway, mm-hmm. all of that said, but there, there are some times when you're, when you feel those waves crashing and there you're, you feel like you're just drowning that you retreat. And that's really weird for me as an extrovert. Is it weird for you, for yourself to be able to be like, why do I not want to talk to anyone? Why do I not want to share right now? Um, a lot of that comes down to not feeling like anybody understands, um, I, or feeling isolated in, um, in the fact that like, just being honest, we don't have a lot of family around us. We live in a place where we don't have a ton of friends because honestly, it's hard when you have six kids and the other mom has two. Sure. Her kids can come over, but me sending my six crazy children to her house, Mm-hmm. It's not really an ex- fair exchange. Um, and so not very many, one, can handle six kids and two, handle their behaviors and their level of energy and chaos that they bring with their issues. Um, and so I find it's easier to share sometimes, but man, it feels lonely a lot of times when we first, um, when I first got the kids, um, when we had the twins and then when we, when Justin came that first year was so lonely mm-hmm. because people would look at our family like, Oh my goodness, you guys are saints. You're so amazing. And I was like, I'm dying. Yeah, please. Uh, just, I'm not a superhero. I, I am barely surviving here and you think I have it all together but I don't. And so no one would volunteer to help because they just looked at it and like, well, I can never do that. And I don't know how you do it. And, and I, I was pushed into this spot and I probably should have said more at the time, but I didn't know how to. And I think that's something that I'm trying to become more vocal about is teaching moms to see each other and, and not say, I don't know how you do it because I don't know how I'm doing it. Right. You have to like, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't know what I was doing when I had one kid. And then when I had two kids, I didn't know what I was doing. Three kids about killed me for a while there. And, and, but like every, every time you add a child to your house, you don't know how you're doing it. You just, you just, you're a mom, you just figure it out and survive the day. And I think that when I wasn't speaking up and saying, I am drowning and stop saying that, it, it made me, it made me feel so alone. And even still now I, I'm, I've started telling some of my friends who I'm like, I love you. Don't tell me, I don't know how you do it. Say you're working as hard as me. And that's awesome. (laughs) You know, because I don't want us to feel like, Oh, because I adopted my kids, half of my kids and I have six of them that I'm better than you. No, we're just moms that are working as hard as we can for our families and, figuring out how to deal with behaviors and, um, cause we got, you know, one of my sons who is not adopted has a speaking issue. That's just cause he's a kid and, and it's nothing in my fault. It's not, you know, but I have to get him the right kind of help. So again, that makes me feel super alone and isolated in because I didn't know any other foster moms couldn't really share cause nobody understood and like they make quick judgments and I'm like, I can't tell you everything, but yeah. You know, so, so finding a community, I did go on, I found a community on Facebook. 
Um, there's some really great ones on there. And I think that like, that's what I always tell that's in my first checklist is to go to join a community and ask questions because especially, you know, it's, it's a little different for every state and every County, um, especially if you're going through foster care and adoption and they're the ones that have done it and are doing it, ask them, mm-hmm. you know, cause we adopted in Michigan and now we live in Texas and it's so different here right. than Michigan. Uh, I can't believe some of this, and, but I, and I met some other foster moms and I'm like, holy cow, that's terrible. Or man, I wish that would have happened to me. You know, there's so many different things and, um, you know, and, and, and your story is always unique. Um, so I think that's the thing you just have to realize coming into it. It's not going to look the same as anybody else. Oh, for sure. Well, and I'll, uh, I'll give a little plug here for my, the adoptive mom podcast community on Facebook. Cause we, Woo-hoo. yeah, but it's, I agree. You have to find your people. And I actually recently, you do. Um, I did a solo show. I do a solo show for Patreon supporters. And that's something I say is in the community section, you have to be willing to shift gears because I think right. that for so long, I tried to take our like wonky, crazy, chaotic bot or, you know, family and try to fit it into this normal box and say like, no, we're going to make our, our old friends work. We're going to make our old situation work. And it just doesn't. And I think we have to go into it being okay to say like, Hey, we need to find our new normal. We need to find our new friends and not to say that all, you know, you cast aside all your friends, but some people are just not going to get it. No, they can't. And, and, and the, or they don't want to, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And I really had to learn, like, even family members not wanting to keep up with the chaos. That's okay. That's their choice. I'm not, I, I had to accept that. And um, you mourn the loss of a normal life. I do believe that is something true. You know, um, it's hard coming to, like, um, we had teacher, teacher meetings the other day, and, um, <laughs> Uh, such a difference. Three of my children's reports <laughs> to the other three. Um, and like I have, there's one substitute teacher at the school and she has had all of my kids now in uh, as a substitute teacher. And she's just like, your three boys, your big boys, they're just angels. And she's like, I, I have never seen any boys act like in like just goes on and on about them. And then it comes to my other three and the story completely flips <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I'm still the same parent. It's not a reflection of me. It's just a reflection of their trauma. And so, um, but I think seeing, adjusting my expectations of how people react has helped a lot. Um, and you just keep looking for that community. I, I've, been okay with like saying no okay well that's not a good fit then fine that's fine I'm not it's not me it's that's okay um it's but it is hard and it's very lonely yeah Hey guys, I just wanted to cut in here and remind you guys about another great and free way to support the show. And that is with all podcasters, favorite currency, iTunes reviews. Once you take a couple minutes to write some lovely and adoring words about AMP, the interwebs takes that and uses its magic and suggests the show to more people who want to hear stuff like this to give me the gift of your words 
hopefully alongside five lovely stars. You can do it within the app you're listening to or in the Apple podcast app, or go to the adoptive slash podcast and scroll down to the leave a review button. You can do this even if you're an Android user, I promise. Okay. Back to the show. I think we were like destined to be friends because everything you're saying, everything's like it, you're exact, you're, I don't know, you're explaining my exact feelings and so many women that I've talked to that just don't know how to describe how they're feeling. And even what you said earlier, I often say that adoptive moms get placed on a pedestal that we didn't ask for. Right. And being at the top is lonely, especially when you didn't ask to be there. And you're like, wait, I want to be down there with you. Right. And, and it does get kind of, and it feels really isolating too. Like everybody celebrated when my boys were, my older boys were born and showered us with gifts. And then the twins were exciting because they were babies and two little girls. And so we got a little bit there. Um, when Justin come, came to our home, it was like cricket. Yeah. And I hated that. Because I was like, we should be celebrating. And especially because we brought him into our home knowing we would adopt him. It wasn't even like the twins where we were like, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, we knew we were adopting him. And we knew he was coming into our family. And for that that loneliness of knowing that this he wasn't celebrated the same way. Um, and we, we chose not to celebrate gotcha days. Um, because we have so many kids and I don't want my biological kids and my adopted kids to have like different days and different reasons. They all know that they're adopted and things like that. Um, whether they were, we call them tummy mommies. Um, mm-hmm. that's the easiest way for my girls to understand because they keep asking, they were asking me like, when was I in your tummy? And that's like, well, I wasn't your tummy mommy. There was another tummy mommy. And so we, we keep it very simple and honest with our kids. But I, I was like, that's a painful thing for me to celebrate even is a gotcha day because there was no celebration. It was just this day where another child moved into my house. It was, there was no fanfare. It was scary and exciting at the same time. And I'm, I'm okay with just moving with my life and celebrating their birthdays and celebrating every day that we are a family. Um, And it's a little bit different than I think some, a lot of adoptive moms are. And everybody makes their own choices with that. Um, but I feel like when we are bringing kids into our home, we need to celebrate with each other. Yes. And, uh, you know, even if it's just a phone call, because I know I'm busy. I don't have a lot of girls' nights out like, like that. <laughs> um, I, but what I am able to do is send you a text or a DM and um, give you a quick phone call or, you know, let you vent to me while I vent to you. <laughs> I think that's the big thing is just like, uh, I need somebody who can understand the fact that my son just said this in behavior therapy and I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it, that's a really hard thing to experience. Um, it doesn't mean I'm superwoman. It just means I'm vulnerable. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot. No, <laughs> I, it's worth it. Absolutely. I, but I agree with you. I think that just knowing this, these things going going into it, but even if you can't know it going into it, just being okay with it now. And I, I struggled yeah. with that for so long of, like I said, just trying yeah. to fit myself and my family into this normal box and be like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to make this work. And sometimes, right. 
sometimes you just have to be honest and say, this isn't working anymore and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say like, this is something I haven't even written on my blog yet. It's a post for later, but, um, I think I had like how you have postpartum depression. I think I had, I know I had post adoption depression Yes, uh, because I held it all together because I had to during the foster care and the adoption process. And once that was finalized, it was like, I had the space to breathe and my body like processed everything. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. I was like, I was happy that we were no longer having visits and, um, that I had security of knowing these children are mine forever and a birth certificate with my name on it. But I was not prepared to experience depression from what it should be the most exciting time in my life. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another thing that, um, adoptive moms go through that we don't talk about enough. And I, I love the fact that you have this podcast and I've been listening to it and binging a little bit. And I love that we're sharing our stories and giving a realistic, um, point of view because adoption is like, I call it kind of like the fairy tale, like stories. Everybody's like, Oh, that's so sweet. And, or it's a horror story. Uh, I could never do that. You know, I had to lock myself in my room so I could protect myself from my adopted son or something yeah. ridiculous. That, I mean, just, okay. That I'm sure that has happened, but sharing more of our real life stories of just, I work, get up every day or multiple times a night, every day, uh, <laughs> to take care of my kids and we figure it out. It's just as much as any mom does. Yep. Just maybe a little more high level stress. <laughs> yes. All of it. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I feel like you're just like verbalizing all of my thoughts and feelings. So. Good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, that post, I mean, well, post adoption depression, like, I, I mean, I've, I've talked about that with like one or two other guests, but it is so real and you just don't think it is you don't think about it. You don't prepare for it. And, and that makes it really, really hard. Yeah. I think that's something that, um, I, I'm hoping to bring more awareness to that. Honestly, I just, it took me a while to acknowledge it myself that that's what I was going through. That's what, um, I, and what kind of help I needed. I, that's really the hard part. You know, it's just like with my kids, um, we're going on, you know, we're four years past adoption now, uh, well, three, three and a half, something like that. I don't even know. Um, but we're not new to this family life, but I am still figuring out how to help my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to find the right solution for them. I tried a therapist for my twins, didn't mesh for them. I was like, okay, we're moving on finding somebody else, finding somebody who'll take their insurance, finding somebody who will relate to what they need and not make me feel like I'm a terrible person because I didn't do this sooner or whatever. Um, it's navigating what they need and figuring that out as much as was for me in the last couple of years, figuring out what I needed to heal. Yeah. Because as much as the kids are going through trauma, you're going through trauma and it's not the same but that doesn't mean you don't need help and you don't need, um, healing. Um, and I'm, I'm confident and, you know, for sure going to need more help in the future. 
Uh, and I'm okay with admitting that now, but I didn't know what was happening yeah. back then because nobody talked about it. No, it's just not a conversation that was anywhere on my radar. So I've hopefully somebody else hearing this and, you know, listening is like, Oh, that's why I feel this way, <laughs> you know, and, and get some help, you know, therapy is not a bad thing. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. I talk about that all the time. Like, why would you wait till after you're, you're dying to seek help? Like yeah. go on the front end. If you're an adoptive yeah. mom, you need to be in counseling. Say it over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. And take the medicine if you need to take oh. something to help you. Oh my gosh. I, um, when our adoption was, um, we were waiting for it to be finalized. Detroit is so overloaded with adoption cases and foster care cases. You have to specifically request to do like the court adoption. And that can add sometimes six weeks to your waiting time on top of everything else. So we're like, forget it. We don't care about that. It just, just sign the dang papers and get them to us. So That's we know. <laughs> so we didn't go to the courthouse. So we were just basically just waiting for a phone call. We had no idea if it would take another month or if it would take, it would be tomorrow. Um, and it just was a matter of a judge going through a stack of papers, a foot and a half high on his desk and signing. So we, during those times, I could not sleep. I just couldn't sleep. The, the twins had insomnia as well. So that was a part of it. But even when they weren't awake, I could not sleep. So I went to the doctor and I was like, listen, I think I'm going to go insane because I haven't slept in two weeks. And he gave me something to get my brain to shut off because my brain would just go over and over and over and over and over things. And just like, what if, what if this happens? And what if this caseworker, you know, threatens, you know, it's just like so many things that were going on on top of the fact of having to raise children with very special needs and delays and, um, just regular kids, I needed help. And it was embarrassing at first because I was like my pride, but man, when after that first night's sleep, I was like, I love this, <laughs> you know, because I felt like a new, I felt like I could function again and I didn't stay on it forever of uh, that particular time, but it was enough for me to get my sanity back a little bit so that you could survive another day. Yeah. Um, so I take Zoloft yeah, it, every night. So yep. that's, yeah, you gotta do I what just, you gotta do. You do. And that is okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm all like CBD oil is a great thing right now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's so available. Uh, you know, just all, whatever you have to do. And, um, I think the other thing is, uh, the reason why, I feel like where I'm at right now is such a better place because my husband and I communicated a lot and we still do. And I think that's one of the other things I have on that. One of my blog posts about adoption is like, you have to be on the same page mm -hmm. and on the same team or you will be ripped apart. Yep. <laughs> um, Amen. So um, I think that if you communicate with your spouse and maybe they're going through as much as you are and you just don't know how to talk about it and, and I think that's the first step is saying I need help you know yep. so I hired a house cleaner this month and I am so thankful because <laughs> I can't keep up with it I can't well yeah so, if you're washing 23,000 cups then you okay. <laughs> well and the other thing is like with my twins who have sensory and I'm sure you understand this like um everything 
is destroyed. Yes, it's chewed everything. on, broken. Yes, it's all yes. It. So in anything, and they love my kitchen. So um, this morning, I woke up, went upstairs, and there was a whole carton of ice cream. At some point in the middle of the night, one of them got up in the middle of the night, got a carton of ice cream out, ate a little bit, fell asleep, and there's a whole melted carton of ice cream upstairs on the rug. And that's normal for our house. And it's, it's just, you never know what you're going to walk around to the corner and be like, Oh, look, there's holes in my wall from somebody stabbing a pen into it. Okay. That's exciting. Let's fix that. You know? Um, so I just like somebody come clean the toilets and mop the floors. It's going to be a complete mess in 30 seconds, but at least the toilets are clean and the floors have been mopped once. So, (laughs) amen. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you you just have to accept it. We're, we just moved into a new house, so we're in a season uh-huh. where we do not have a house cleaner. We did for a while, uh-huh. and I've, I'm missing it hardcore, so I'll live vicariously I bet you are. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just, um, you know, I for years was like, oh, I don't, I don't need to spend my money on that. And, the, you know, again, a lot of it comes down to pride, but it, what's the point of being prideful if you can use the help and, right. you, you know, figure out... Um, I, I tell you, the the best thing that anybody ever did for me when the twins were infants was um, this little old lady that just loved our family. She wasn't blood relative at all. She loved my twins. She would come over and sit while the babies were sleeping and sort socks. Uh, and that amazing. was like, I will never be able to communicate to her how much that meant to me. Once a week, she would just come over in the living room while I cleaned the kitchen or did whatever and she just would sit and watch the baby sleep and sort socks. I mean that little bit was life life giving to me and I think if we do that for other people and just say okay what can I do that's small and little that will take like just take so much pressure off of you yeah no that makes me want to do I I always have like new ideas for episodes as I'm talking to other people, but like (laughs) that would be a really great episode is just to ask people what, like not bringing a meal, not, you know, babysitting, but like what little thing was super helpful and right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, meals and babysitting are great, but it's like just to highlight the little things for people that are like, well, I can't babysit. So I'll just do nothing, you know? And you're like, no, you can like pick up a load of laundry and do that and fold it and bring it back to me. That'd be great. So, yep. Yep. My sister um, would call me and be like, "Um, I'm going to come over and visit. And uh, what do you need that's not in your fridge? Because this was before before every store had grocery pickup. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I wish so bad we would have had that service when I had those little babies. Oh, my gosh. Carrying twins in car seats through the snow to get groceries. That was insane. I would put them in a cart and pull them, push. Uh, it was, I would be walking through the store with two carts, three kids walking beside me and two infants. And this is before Justin. Then when we added Justin, it was even more chaos. Oh my gosh. That was quite a spectacle. And then you have unhelpful but people being just, like, wow, you really have your hands full. You're like, wow, yeah, you're know. so observant. Like, I'm going to punch you in the face <laughs> for saying that. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I, I think that's that, 
you know, I just love the fact that we can talk about this now and be like, come with a little bit of humor. But at the time I was like, I'm going to kill you yeah. <laughs> if you say that. <laughs> um, but those little things like folding laundry or just picking up a gallon of milk and dropping it off. Holy cow. Uh, that was liquid gold. Yeah. That's just, huge. And yeah, just, or send flowers, send flowers, just brighten up my, brighten up my living space with some love. Uh, I mean, there's so many things. Um, and, and please don't tell me I'm praying for you over and over again because, I'm pray. I thank you so much, but I'm. What are you doing? Right. And I think that people use that as an ex- excuse sometimes to not actually help mm-hmm. or see a need. Yes. Um. So that's a passionate thing of mine. I'm like, okay, that's great, and I think that you should do that if that's what you're what like you think that you need to do. But then, can you take some action? Um, you know, so, uh, don't let that be a cop out. Oh, well, I did. I I thought of you this morning. Okay. Thanks for thinking of me. (laughs) I felt those thoughts. (laughs) I felt those thoughts and I was warm and fuzzy and suddenly my house was clean. Um, so appreciate that. Um, (laughs) I mean, just, just. Yes, that's not really oh, doing anything for me. Um, you know, I got told that so many times. Oh, wow, just so you're just so amazing. We'll be praying for you. Okay, thanks. Um, just be over here feeling so amazing. Yeah, I will. Um, yeah, <laughs> that really made a difference in my daily needs. Uh, thanks. Uh, this uh, is such and, a great I conversation. <laughs> I love it. No, it's so necessary. It's such a great conversation. It is. And, oh, I love it. Is. it. And I, have to educate as adoptive moms it's our job to educate people Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's the hardest part is like I I for so long was like well I'm just not gonna say anything but now I love it because somebody said to me the other day a friend of mine she's like now I'm not gonna she was speaking like to a group of people I was watching her speak to a crowd of women she's like I'm not gonna say I don't know how you do it because my friend Lonnie over there she's like we don't say that anymore (laughs) what we say is you're amazing and you're working super hard and I see you and I'm like, that's such a big difference than I don't know how you do it. It's, I can see that you're working super hard. I can see that you're like sacrificing every day. I can see that you're lonely, that you're tired, that you're exhausted and man, girl, I'm cheering you on. I I just like that to me gives me life. Not, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> you know, because that's kind of a, the underlining is I would never do that. Right. You know, <laughs> I was, I'm like or, writing that down because that's so, it, like, that just, that's all we want to hear. That even just hearing yep. you say what you want to have said, like, brings yeah. me life, you know? Yeah. Does it, wouldn't that be better for even somebody that we love and that we see all the time, churches, um, school teachers, people like that. I don't need somebody else to tell me they don't know how they, that I'm doing it. Cause I don't know how I'm doing it. But when we say to each other, I see you and you're pretty amazing. I said that to a teacher the other day. Um, I was meeting with my son. I was like, she is pregnant, very, very pregnant. And she looks so tired. And so instead of me saying, wow, you look so tired. Must be really hard to teach when you're this pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. 
great. Thanks. I already know all that. I'm just like, you are my hero for being pregnant and teaching. And, um, Oh, I'm going to be thinking about you and I might send you coffee. Do you still drink coffee? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to put action to the things I'm going to point out mm-hmm. instead of saying, wow, you look really tired. Mm-hmm. must be really hard to teach when you're pregnant. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, even for me, like I, for a long time, I didn't si- sign up for meal trains because I'm like, I currently have an active, active meal train for me. So I cannot sign up for yeah. yours. <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? I can order pizza and have it delivered to your house. Right. And I think that Absolutely. so many people, they're like, well, I can't make a homemade meal and deliver it. And so I'm just not. And I'm like, it, you can, you can have coffee delivered by post, Postmates. You can do that. Like, yep, absolutely. And, um, can I just please plug it in there? Um, don't cook for me if you're not a cook. <laughs> I don't, I, we had some meals delivered to us. Uh, did we had, oh, we didn't have very many, but we had a couple and I was like, Let's order pizza. Yeah. I, I was just like, bless your heart. You don't know how. To, and I'm not judging them. I appreciate the effort and everything. But they did. They don't cook ever. And then suddenly they decide they're going to cook for our family. I know you don't go out. To, I know you go out to eat like every meal. So please don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So, yeah. I love it. A, I love it. Well, you know, I always ask you were saying like, it's our job to educate people. And one of my closing questions is always what was most helpful and what was most unhelpful. And I love that you agree that you're saying like, it it is our job to say that. And I always like, some people are so uncomfortable with that question. I'm like, people, people need to know what they're doing that sucks and not maybe with that language, but like they, you know, what's not helpful and what, how could their energy be better used doing something else? And so I feel like we've already answered that question, but are you Mm -hmm. okay with some of these other closing questions? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So what do you wish you had known at the beginning of this journey? Um, that I wish I would have known that I would need help. I wish I would have started going to therapy at the very beginning. I think that should be a requirement for foster parents and adoptive parents. I think that just having somebody, you know, to talk to, to help coordinate, you know, your brain as you have so much to process and feel you know I think that's the thing I wish I would have looking back been able to at the very beginning have somebody a professional listening instead of somebody you know who had no idea or somebody who was just like take the kids and run away to the Bahamas (laughs) just like that's not helpful (laughs) and run for the rest of our lives that sounds like a good idea Oh man, yeah, that's like not yeah, you're like, thank you for the advice, but um no. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um <laughs> and I, I feel you. I today I wanted to do that, but um that's not realistic. So how are we gonna survive the day? Right. Like <laughs> how do I get to Walmart and back? That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what do you wish you had done differently? Um, ooh, that's a hard one. Um I wish I would have been able to get more help sooner for the kids, um, uh, pushed harder, asked more questions. Um, I, I was, but I always feel like, like this is mom guilt. I think more than anything, just being honest and transparent is I always feel like I should have, I should have advocated for them more. I should have not accepted the fact that this doctor was like, well, I can't see them because they're not autistic or, 
you know, paid out of pocket for this therapy because nobody will take Medicaid insurance, um, you know, which is where we're at right now. And I'm just sick of the nose or I can't help you. Um, or I'm going to push this diagnosis on and somebody tried to diagnose my son with fetal alcohol syndrome. And I was like, his mom did not drink. I know that. And he has no symptoms of fetal alcohol syndrome. I appreciate that. And, but like, she was determined that was this problem. And I was like, I don't know where you're coming from. And, and so just those kinds of things, I think I wish I would have pushed a little harder and been, but it's a, I told, I was telling my husband, it's a part-time job right now, getting my kids to therapy and doctor's appointments and at the school, setting up a 504 plan and getting them tested and evaluated and the right teachers. And it's, it's a part-time job. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, sometimes back to school time, that's full-time job. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have to test every teacher if they're real adults. Oh yeah. Well, having conversations, (laughs) it's like, you want to be like, hello, don't be scared of me, but I'm going to tell you some scary things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Uh, (laughs) You've heard of my kids, the reputation. This is not the older ones. This is the younger ones. Okay. Got it. (laughs) Gotcha. Oh my goodness. Okay. Final question. If you could just sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive moms, what would you say? Um, oh man, I would say you're stronger than you think you are, but it's okay not to be. Um, I, I don't want to be strong all the time. Um, some days, I will just be honest with you. Um, this year, all the kids went to school full time for the first time ever. And the first week of school, I would take them to school and I would go to bed. I was, my body was so tired and just my brain was exhausted. And I felt guilty because I work from home. I, I, run, I have my own business. I need to work. But gosh, I could not be strong anymore. Summer killed me. And, um, I think that's the thing I'm learning about myself and about being a mom of these incredible children, um, is I am extremely strong and I'm going to acknowledge that, but I'm also going to acknowledge I don't have to be strong every day and every minute. Um, because I just can't be, no one can. So, uh, I think that's the thing I, I hope, even, it, whether you're adoptive or not, you're, I think that's something I just love. Like, I, I think mothers need to say more of is, is I'm extremely strong, but I'm also going to not be today <laughs> or this moment. Whether you have to pour another cup of coffee or a glass of wine or scream at your kids and apologize later or whatever you need to do, um, it, that's okay. And accepting that, not letting the mom guilt be like, oh, well, I, can, I should have been better. No, you didn't have to be. So I that's just, my. Yeah, I just love all of that so much. Like I said, I think we were destined <laughs> to be friends. I'm so yes, glad that uh, this conversation happened. I think it's going to impact so many women. And I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. I, and I wanted to, I uh, hope you don't mind me plugging one more thing uh, or two more things, actually. I have a, a post on my blog that I wrote in um, effort for other people to share on their <laughs> social media or give to their friends. 
of ways that they can support uh, foster and adoptive moms, uh, families. Um, so like I wrote that kind of just, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for right now, but I just was like, oh, I'm just going to write this for my blog and then share it so all of my friends can see yeah. what I really need. Um, so it's kind of a, a sneaky way to share what you need. Oh, look, I found this article. It's so good. <laughs> you should read it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> and then um, my other thing is I did write a adoptive re- a foster care adoption resource, and it has some printable quotes that are fun. to. I love I love quotes and I print them off and put them all over my house. I have quotes everywhere in our house. And so it's free. Um, it's at allmygoodthings.com forward slash adoption. And uh, you just put your name in there or your email address and it will pop up. Excuse me. You can download it. Um, and there's like websites, checklists, um, lots of lots of quotes because I'm all about the quotes. So if that will help somebody. Um, or if you know, like if somebody listening is like, oh, you ask all the time about adoption, you can send them there. So you don't have to ask it. That's all right. You can be like, here, you go, go read this. Yeah. Oh, and <laughs> because those sometimes will... it's just easier to send up like, I don't want to explain that to you right now. I don't have time or you're not really serious. <laughs> you know, I don't feel that seriousness from you. Right. Um, you know, yeah. I and... love it when people are like, oh, I want to adopt twins. I'll, I'll become a foster parent and have twins. I'm like, yeah, that's not the normal. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no. And, and I'll have all of that, uh, links to all of that on my, the show notes for Kiki Lani's episode. And, um, guys, just thank you for listening. And thank you so much again for being a part of the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited and I am going to be joining your community. I did not know there was a community. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.